Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Story about a, a man by the name of Steve Royster. And uh, Steve had a unique problem. As a boy, that, uh, as he was growing up in northern Virginia, he was confronted with a small but kind of an annoying problem. It was kind of a persistent mystery to him. In fact, he didn't even realize that he had a problem, but it was still a little bit of a, a mystery. And it, was, it, it happened and surfaced every time he used the phone. Steve had a problem. He could not recognize uh, he did not recognize the problem until he was 27 years of age. So, so here's what happened. One occasion, Steve was having a difficult day of work. Anybody ever had a difficult day at work? Yeah, come on, difficult day at work. And, and a stranger had just called out of the blue, it seemed, and just started barking orders at him. And it, it happened several times throughout the last couple of, of weeks, as he recalled. And this time, he had just had enough. He was, he was so frustrated that as the, the, the voice is just bursting out, this person, the stranger, just calling out all of these orders, barking out all of these orders, he just said, you know what, I'm done. And he hung up on him. And all of a sudden, his coworker said, what did you just do? Why did you do that? He said, what do you mean? This guy, I don't know, this person's been calling me. They've been barking out orders. What, what do you mean? I just got tired of it. And his coworker said, that's our boss. He had a problem. You know what the problem was? He, he couldn't recognize his, his, his boss's voice. In fact, it wasn't just his boss's voice. As he grew up, he, he, he didn't realize that he had something that's called phonagnosia. Does anybody know what phonagnosia is? Voice blindness. Voice blindness. He didn't realize it. In fact, when, when, when he would pick up the phone, when he would talk with people, he just didn't even realize that there was something that you could recognize distinctly from someone else's voice. For him, he, he just thought as you went along with it that, you know, uh, you know, people just, that's the way people lived. He was often surprised when somebody recognized his voice when he called and was able to recognize who he was. He thought they had a special gift or something. He thought everybody was like him. According to Phonagnosia researcher, uh, researcher Diana Sidis, the part of the brain that allows you to distinguish things like age, gender, and emotional content in a voice is different from the part of the brain that oftentimes makes sense whether or not the voice you are hearing has personal relevance or not to your life. In fact, that's the part of the brain that you're able to relate to a voice and determine that that voice is actually familiar. I think I've heard that voice before. It's, it's familiar. So his whole life, Steve just simply assumed that it was impossible to tell one voice from another. He could, he could tell if somebody was happy or sad or sarcastic, but he, he couldn't distinguish exactly who was on the other end of the the phone just simply because of their voice. And after discovering it, he didn't think it was much of a problem. He thought, well, I'll just wait a little bit until something identifying comes along, until somebody doesn't identify themselves. I'll just assume that, that I probably know who they are. I'll wait a little bit until they say something that clues me in as to who they are. And so he thought, well, I, I got this until one day he, he thought that he was talking to his wife on the phone 
and he started flirting with this lady and she got very offended. And he realized, whoops, that's not going to work. And so now he asks people to identify themselves. You say, Pastor, why are you telling us this very strange story? Because while most of us, I don't know anybody in here, unless, you know, if you are in here, that's great. Uh, I don't know anybody in here that, that has physical phonognosia. But I, I have to believe that oftentimes we can struggle with spiritual phonognosia. What do I mean by that? What I, what I mean is, is that many times we, we struggle to discern the voice of God when he speaks. And sometimes we mistake his voice for the voice of others. We struggle to, to, to hear God's voice. How do we recognize God's voice? How do we learn to discern and tune in the voice of God over all the other voices that we have in our world today? I mean, you know, there's a lot of voices speaking today. There's a lot of voices. There's a, there's a lot of voices that want us to listen and follow. How do we distinguish their voice? Well, John chapter 10, Jesus uses an illustration of sheep and shepherd to help us in understanding how to determine and discern the voice of God. John chapter 10, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And after he gathers his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. Now, in our, in our world of sports today and, and, and in our world of branding and those kind of things, many schools and, and universities have mascots, don't they? They have different mascots. I mean, we're here in the, in the, in the Painesville Township area, and, uh, and so Riverside is our school. And what's Riverside's mascot? The beavers, right? Very scary beavers. Beavers are scary animals. Very scary. If you're Harvey, Painesville City, you are the Red Raiders, right? You're the Raiders, right? Yeah. Come on, that's a little better, right? If you are, if you are the mighty Chardon football team about to go to States again and win it, you are the what? The Hilltoppers, right? I'm the king of the hill. I think that's what you call a Hilltopper. I don't know what it is. Yodelay, hee-hoo. I don't know. That's what I think of it. You know, for Perry, you're what? Pirates. Everybody's like pirates. Nobody from Perry here, right? Boo. Boo. And then if you're Ohio State, oh, poor Ohio State today. I just had to bring that up, didn't I? The mighty, mighty Buckeyes. You're a nut. Right? Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Right? Right now I'm rooting for Cincinnati. They are the Bearcats, right? The Bearcats. So, what kind of mascot does Jesus give his people? If you're a Christian, what kind of mascot? I went to a, a Christian university, University of Valley Forge, and we were the mighty Valley Forge Patriots. Woohoo! right? I mean, what kind of mascot do you, do you come up with? Well, Jesus gives a mascot here for, for people who are believers. You know what we are? Sheep. Sheep. Yeah, I don't know about you, but that's just not like, really? Of all the animals you had to, we had to be sheep, like sheep, right? Because what? Sheep are dumb. Do you know that? Sheep are really dumb. Sheep, sheep are just dumb. 
animals. Sheep are kind of stinky. They're kind of dumb. They're, they're prone to, to kind of wander off. They kind of love to just keep their head down and, and, and just wherever they can find some nice grass to eat, they just want to eat. They'll even hang on the end of a cliff and put themselves in danger and just kind of constantly wander away from, from, from where they ought to be in the place that ought to be safe. And Jesus calls us sheep. Really? Sheep? I mean, I don't know about you, but, but it's easy to be offended by that. But Isaiah 53, 6, it's right here too. All of us like sheep. All of us. So are you all of us? Guess what? You're a sheep. I called you a sheep. You're a sheep. I didn't call you that. Scripture did. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. And, uh, you know, sometimes we might get a little defensive about that. But I, I, I want us to take a look at this because when it comes to hearing God's voice and identifying the, the true shepherd, there's really some, some, some powerful things, some encouraging truths today that we can take away. In order to get to the truth of what's happening in this passage, we, we have to begin to understand shepherding when it comes to, 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 to watching over sheep, Middle Eastern shepherding in particular. Now, you might be a shepherd. Now, I don't know if we have any shepherds in the house, any people that have sheep in the house or know anything about sheep. Maybe you do, and you may know more than me. Uh, but I did a little bit of, uh, of research in this, and, and I found that in the Middle East, especially in Israel, there are, there are two types of sheepfolds or enclosures. And that's what we have in this passage is actually a distinguishing, uh, a distinguishing between two different enclosures for sheep. One of those enclosures was in the village, and the other of those enclosures or sheepfolds or sheep pens was in the countryside. And so when you read John chapter 10, you might not readily distinguish that there's a change that takes place after verse 5. So verses 1 to 5 is talking about the kind of sheepfold or sheep enclosure that takes place in the village. And then in verse 7, Jesus is trying to explain, because how many of people just don't get it, right? There many times you don't get it. Sometimes we don't get it. And, and so Jesus, he's talking to people that just aren't getting it, and he switches the analogy, and in verses 7 to 10, he moves that analogy out to the countryside. And uh, it's really important to kind of understand. So in, 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 in verses, verses 1 to 5, we, 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 we talk about the fact that, that we're talking about the sheep enclosure that is in the village. It's in the village. And, and what happened in the village was not that, that one shepherd would come in from the countryside with his sheep and put his sheep in the enclosure. It was multiple shepherds would come in. So in the evening time, around the village time, shepherds would come in from where they had their sheep grazing. They would lead their sheep. And they would begin to take them to the village sheepfold, at the village enclosure. And while they were there, there was someone who was a watchman or a porter. He was not the shepherd, but he knew how to care for the sheep enough that he would watch them at night. So he was, he was kind of like the babysitter at night so that the, the shepherds could go get some rest. Before they would bring them into the sheepfold, though, the, the shepherd would have his rod, and as his sheep would come, before they would be allowed into the enclosure, he would take the rod, he would stop the sheep, he would lift it up, he would examine for any kind of pestilence or disease or, or, or anything, any kind of anything that might spread to the other sheep, and as long as they passed inspection, they could pass under the rod. 
That's where that passage comes. So they could pass under the rod. And so each shepherd would examine his sheep. They'd pass under the rod. They'd be in the sheepfold for the night. And there they would be. And the watchman or the porter would guard it. Now the sheepfold had a high walls. It was a highly walled area. And there was a gate that was there. And the, 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 the watchman or the porter was there. And he was the one watching over the gate. He was the one making sure that no thieves were coming in to break in. And steal. And so when the when the when the shepherd would get his good night's sleep in the morning, he would come and he would show up to the gate, and the porter would recognize the shepherd. And if he was one of the shepherd of the sheep, he'd recognize the shepherd, and then the shepherd could go and gather his sheep. That's what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 10. So so with that angle, what we find is three marks how to recognize the shepherd. Jesus gives three distinguishing marks of recognizing. The shepherd. Now hang with me because I'm going to take us on a journey. So that means you're going to have to listen. All right? I know you're tired after all of that Thanksgiving turkey. Anybody full of turkey and pie and everything else? And so you come in this nice, really highly warm church sanctuary. I'm feeling it this morning. Highly warm. And the tendency is to just kind of let your mind drift. Hang with me because I'm, I'm going to take you on a journey. And I really think it's really cool what we're going on. So, so the three marks of a true shepherd. Number one, he enters through the door. Here it is, verses one and two. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the date, rather than going through the gate, not the date, the gate, must surely be as a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Have you ever wondered what this means? Like, doesn't that sound obvious? If uh, you don't see a true shepherd like jumping over the, 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 the fence, right? Jumping over the, the wall, right? Trying to come in a different way. You know, that, like, that, that's a thief and a robber. Jesus, you're stating the obvious, but Jesus was really stating something more than that. There's, a, there's a, a, a deeper meaning that's involved. In fact, John chapter 10 is actually a continuation of something that happened, a story that happened in John chapter 9. So sometimes when we read the Bible, we think that the time period changes, and sometimes with new chapters it does, but sometimes just take the chapter away because it's the same time period and the same situation, and you can find there's great connectivity to what happened before. And to truly understand what's happening, we have to go back to John chapter 9. And in John chapter 9, we see that Jesus encountered a man. He and his disciples came in. They were coming during the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Shelters. That was one of the feasts that Israel had to celebrate when they had come out of Egypt and they lived in tents in the wilderness. They wanted to remember that and remember how God had sustained them and God had provided for them and God had been there for them during their time in the wilderness. So they would come and they would celebrate a feast that was called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Shelters. So we have a, a lot of people that have come to Jerusalem during this time. And so here's Jesus probably hanging out somewhere around the temple, probably hanging around somewhere in Jerusalem. And here he encounters a man, he and his disciples, who, have been, who has been born blind from birth. And his disciples ask a question, don't they? They say, why is this man born blind? Was it his sin or his parents' sin? Anybody following the story now? You know where we're at, right? And Jesus says, it's not, his, it's not that, it's but for the glory of God. And so Jesus comes and, 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 and he heals the man by spitting into the dirt, making some mud out of the clay in his spittle, wipes it on the man's eyes, and tells the man to go away and to wash and be clean. And, 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 and here's the, here's the, the, the important part of, 
of what's happening in John chapter 9. If you know anything about John, when John is writing his gospel, this is some teaching, when John is writing his gospel, the miracles that John chooses are not like what you find in Matthew and Mark and in Luke. They share about different miracles that Jesus did, but John's a little different. Every miracle that John highlights is a sign pointing to the fact that Jesus is the true Messiah for Israel. And so what does this have to do with a guy who is born blind? Well, in the Old Testament, you will never find a prophet or a man of God or any kind of healing that takes place in the Old Testament of anybody who was ever blind and has received their sight. Blindness receiving their sight was a mark or a sign of the Messiah. Isaiah 35, 5, and when he comes... This is the prophecy of Isaiah. He will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. And so there's, there's just quite a ruckus going on because a man who has been born blind, all of a sudden, on the Sabbath day, Jesus does what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He, he makes mud and clay and puts it on the man's eyes, and the man's eyes are healed. The Creator, the one who we talked about, the Word who was with God and was God, right? The Word, the Word at creation, how was creation? Let there be light spoken. That that Word took clay, and what are we made of? Dust of the earth, right? Dust and clay, and God breathed life into us by His Holy Spirit, right? He made mud and literally created the synapses, created the nerves, created the optic nerves and everything that is needed so that that man who was born blind suddenly had sight. That's what the Creator did. But it created quite a stir because this man comes back and now he can see and and his neighbors recognize and they say, hey, we know this guy, right? This is the guy. He was blind. How is it that he can see? And they begin to ask him. And so he tells them what Jesus had done and they take him to the Pharisees. And now you've got all of this stir going on because of this miracle and the rumor mill is flying. How many know people talk, right? The rumor mill is flying. And they're talking about this guy. And so they bring him to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees begin to ask him about, who healed you of your blindness? And he relays the story to them. And look at what verse 16, John 9, 16 says. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God, for he's working on the Sabbath. And others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? And so there was deep division of opinion among them. Can I tell you that today's day and age is not the only time in which people have been divided on subjects? Deeply divided on subjects. In fact, when Jesus came, there was deep division about who he was. There were were some that said, there is no way. This guy cannot be the Messiah. Do not say that. This guy cannot, he cannot be the one who God has said is going to come. You can't believe that. There there are some that just would not accept that, could not see that, would not believe that. And then there were others, like the man who was born blind, who had been touched and healed by Jesus, who, who, who suddenly began to say, hmm, I wonder, could this be? Could this be, right? There was, there was a lot of question. There was, a, there was a lot. Who is Jesus? Is he, the, is he the Messiah? Is he the Son of God or not? Is he a prophet or is he a false prophet? How do we know? How can we discern the voice of God? How do we know? How do we know? And so as they questioned him, 
They said, you know what? We got to ask his parents about this because we really can't believe this. And so they bring his parents and his, his parents are afraid of being kicked out of the, out of the temple. They don't want to be excommunicated for, for saying something because they know that the, the people who are in charge don't really believe that Jesus is the Messiah or want to accept that. And so they know if they say something like that. So they just turn it over and they're kind of passive and they say, you know what? He's of age. Ask him. Ask him yourself. So they brought him in a second time, and they began to examine him. And this is what John 9, 24 to 27 says. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. So they're leading him. Anybody ever lead you before? They didn't really care about your opinion. They wanted you to say what they wanted you to say, right? I think this happens a lot. They wanted you to say, and they wanted him to say, listen, God ought to get glory. Come on, come on. Can I get an amen? God needs to get glory. Amen, God. But this man, Jesus, he's a sinner, right? He's a sinner. You agree with us, right? He's a sinner, right? He's a sinner. And, and this is what the man says. I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied. But I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man explained, I told you once, and here it is, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? He's kind of poking fun at them, right? You're not listening. I've been sharing with you, and the story ain't changing, all right? The story is what it is, and it isn't changing, no matter how many times you ask me and ask me and ask me and ask me. Here's the problem. You keep asking me, and I keep telling you, and you're not listening, it is on the heels of this in the same time period with the same people around that Jesus then tells this story about shepherd and sheep and my sheep know my voice. How do the sheep know his voice? Because the shepherd who is the true shepherd of the sheep enters through the door. He enters through the door. You say, pastor, what, what does that have to do with anything? He enters through the door. Do you know what? Jesus entered through the door. The Old Testament prophets and the Old Testament scriptures all point to who Jesus is. He doesn't come a different way. He comes exactly as the scriptures said he would come, right? He comes exactly as the scriptures said he would come. John 9, 39, this is what Jesus says to the man who he healed. I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and show those who think they see that they are blind, to think they see. How many know that, that, that what, what does the scripture say about Jesus? What does the scripture say about the Messiah, about the true shepherd? What does the scripture say about the true shepherd? It says that, that he says where he would be born, right? Where he would be born. It, it says the, the unusual character of his birth, who he would be born to. So, so let's just go right with that, all right? Where would he be born? Well, the prophet Micah in, 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 in Micah chapter um, the prophet Micah, according to him, says that, that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem. According to Micah, he'd be born in Bethlehem. According to Isaiah 7.14, the virgin shall be with child, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. What did Jesus come? Exactly as he was prophesied about, Right? Exactly as he was prophesied about. He was presented in the temple as an infant, circumcised on the eighth day according to the law. And, and, and he, was, he, was, he was owned by God at his baptism. 
He, was, he came accepted. He, he entered by the door. Jesus said, if anybody comes another way, they're a thief and a robber, and, 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 and they're out to deceive you. They're not the ones to listen to. But me, I have fulfilled everything in Scripture. I have come through the door. The second mark of a true shepherd is the gatekeeper opens the door, right? I come to the gate, the, the, the gatekeeper that's there opens the door, right, to the, to the shepherd. He knows the shepherds, and he opens the door. Well, who's the gatekeeper? John the Baptist, right? John 1.23, a voice crying in the wilderness saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And what did John the Baptist say about Jesus? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He must increase, I must decrease. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. The gatekeeper opened up the door to Jesus. And thirdly, what's the third mark? The sheep hear his voice. Right, John 10, 3. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Remember, verses one to five are talking about the kind of sheep enclosure or sheep pen that happens in the village, and in the village there were these high walls, and it was multiple shepherds that would come in, and they would bring their sheep all into the same fold, and they would examine them, and the watchman of the porter would be there, and the gate would be closed, and he would station himself by the gate, and he would be watching to make sure no thieves are breaking in, and to be able to identify who the right shepherd was. And so in the morning, after the shepherds got a good night's sleep, they would come, and when they would come to the sheep gate, you have all of these sheep from all of these different shepherds all mingled together in the pen. So how are they supposed to find their own sheep? There were no branding irons. They didn't mark them with any kind of tags or anything like we do today. So how were they supposed to know, how was the watchman supposed to know that they had their sheep, the sheep that were theirs? Well, I did a little bit of research and, uh, and I'm not sure if you know this, but sheep respond to the distinct call of their own shepherd. They respond to the distinct call of their own shepherd. Now, anybody a pet lover here? Yeah, there are some pets that you can do this with, usually dogs, not cats. Cats, well, you know, they do their own thing. But, but dogs, you, you can, the dog, a dog will recognize your voice. A dog knows your voice. I had a German shepherd mix, and I can tell you that that I had a, a distinct whistle and a distinct call, and my shepherd would know when I was calling him. He would know my voice. Well, that's the same way. Sheep recognize the voice. They recognize that distinct call. One commentator I read on this, uh, he said that the picture in John chapter 10 is of a Near Eastern shepherd who spent so much time with his flock, spent time with them, that he knew each sheep personally. One writer gave an account like this. Early one morning, I saw an extraordinary sight far from Bethlehem. Two shepherds had evidently spent the night together, and, and they had their flocks in a cave. And the sheep were all mixed together, and the time had come for the shepherds to go in their different directions. And so one of the shepherds stood some distance from the sheep and began to call. And, and then first, at first there was just one. And then there was two, and then there was four. There was five animals that ran towards him until he had counted the entire flock and knew that he had his flock just by the sound of his voice. Another commentator had said that they witnessed three or four shepherds who were separating their flocks solely by the call of their voice, by the sound of their voice. Their sheep 
knew the master's voice. They knew the particular tone and, and intonation and pitch that was used. In fact, I read a story as I was preparing for this some years back that took place in Australia. In Australia, they have a, a lot of shepherds. There's a shepherding section in Australia. And, and there was a man who was there who had been arrested for stealing sheep. And so they brought him into court and he was on trial and, and, uh, and, and, and they're, they're grilling him with questions. And the, 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 the shepherd who said that, they, that he had stolen his sheep was there and he was giving his account of what happened. And then the, the guy who was being accused of stealing sheep was giving his account and there were witnesses. And it was, just, it was just really difficult to tell. And so the judge said, you know what? I need one final witness. You know what I need? Bring me a couple of the sheep. And they're like, the sheep, how are they going to, how are they going to, just bring me a couple of the sheep. So they brought the sheep in and they brought the sheep down to the front. And they sent the thief out, out into the hallway and they kept the doors to the courtroom open. And the judge said, call the sheep. And the thief began to do a call and the sheep just cowered. They were afraid, they cowered. So then he, he sent the shepherd out who claimed that this man had stolen his sheep. And he said, you begin to call. And as soon as he began to call, the sheep got up from where they were and they went out and they followed their shepherd. Why? Because my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. Friends, knowing the shepherd's voice is personal. Notice in John chapter one and verse 10, it says that, that he knows them and they follow him. They follow his lead when he leads them. He knows them. How do, you, how do you know them? Well, I love the 23rd Psalm. Does anybody love the 23rd Psalm? I love the 23rd Psalm. I don't even have to get past the first couple of words because the first couple of words say, the Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. David, the shepherd king, understood the personal relationship that a shepherd has with his sheep, understands that personalness, that personal relationship. The sheep know the shepherd's voice because they have a personal relationship with the shepherd. There are too many times where we can't distinguish the shepherd's voice, where we can't distinguish the voice of Jesus, our shepherd, because we have been listening to too many other voices. We haven't been spending enough time with the shepherd so that we can identify identify his voice my sheep know my voice and they follow me there's a couple of tools that the shepherd uses psalm 23 4 even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me two tools of the shepherd a rod and a staff the rod is used to guard and protect that's the purpose of the rod the rod is used to guard and protect. It's not used on the sheep. It's used on prey, uh, on, on those that would come to prey on the sheep, on predators who would come to prey on the sheep, on the wolves and on the lions and on the bears and those that would come. It's used to hold them off and to whack them and to keep them away and to guard and protect the sheep. The staff, on the other hand, has a crook to it. And the staff is used to guide and, and, and uh, to, to guide and direct. Guide and direct. So when the sheep start to, to wander, as sheep are prone to wander, and the shepherd sees it, he just takes that hook and he begins to pull that sheep. If the sheep are grazing as they have a tendency to do near the edge, because they like to get near the edge in danger and don't even realize they're in danger because they get to the edge, is it any wonder that Jesus compares us to sheep? 
How often do we wander into danger? Do we like to walk the line of danger and not even realize that we're about to fall off? And yet, this is what the shepherd does. The shepherd will hook them, begin to pull them up, and begin to, to, to guide them and rescue them and protect them. There are benefits to knowing the shepherd's voice. And I just want to wrap it up by, by just talking to you as we close about five benefits to listen to the shepherd. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go quick. If you bring your hurts to him, Jesus is compassionate. That's number one. If you bring your hurts to him, Jesus is compassionate. This is what Matthew 9, 36 says. When he saw the crowds, this is Jesus. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Can I be honest with you? Jesus is compassionate. Jesus is compassionate. There are so many times where we, we don't have this personal relationship with our shepherd and we look at our shepherd and we think that, that he's out to use the rod on us. That he's, he's just looking for a way to discipline us or hurt us. The shepherd doesn't do that. The shepherd has compassion on us. He sees the hurts that we go through, the difficulties that we walk through. And, and he, has, he, he knows that there are times where we are helpless and he is compassionate towards us. He doesn't put you down, friends. He, he lifts you up. He, he doesn't hassle you. He heals you. This is what it says about the Son of Man. This is what Jesus said about himself. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'm, hang on with me, because we're going we're gonna to talk about this giving his life at the end. Because it's really cool as we get to verses 7 to 10 in just a few moments. Secondly, if you follow him, Jesus leads you in the right direction. Let's go back to verse 4. When he's led all of his sheep, he walks in front of them and they follow because they know his voice. This is something really important to grasp. Notice what Jesus says about the shepherd. It says that the shepherd leads them out. Did you know there's a couple of different ways to shepherd? There, there are some who shepherd, particularly in the Western world, that, that, that shepherd. And, and they, they oftentimes will use herding dogs. Have you seen that before at the farm park and stuff? You have the herding dogs. That, 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 and what do the herding dogs do? The herding dogs like to circle the sheep, right? And they, they try to get behind them. And they, they, they drive them from behind. Whether it's barking or nipping at their heels or getting behind them. The, the, the dogs will get behind and they will, they will, they will drive the sheep. But that's not what the shepherd does. The shepherd leads the sheep. And how does he lead the sheep being out in front? By his voice. Think about how Jesus began discipleship. Come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. Think about the blind man in John chapter 9. My sheep know my voice. He healed the man, and the man knew that what the Pharisees and the religious leaders were saying about Jesus wasn't true. I don't know if he's a sinner or not. I, I don't know, but then he comes to Jesus, and he talks to him. He goes, I don't know. I mean, are you a, a prophet or, or, or what? And Jesus reveals himself of who he is, and the man follows why. And then he does this, because my sheep know my voice. Jesus is calling and inviting us to follow him. Jesus wants to lead us, and he's inviting us to follow him if we will listen. Thirdly, if you get confused or wander away, right, as we do, what happens? Jesus brings us back, right? Jesus brings us back. We love this. Matthew 18, 12, if a man has 100 sheep 
But one of the sheep gets lost. Will he leave the other, or he will leave the other 99 on the hill and go look for the lost sheep? How many are grateful that Jesus goes and looks for us when we wander? When we wander away, that he doesn't leave us wandering, but he goes by his grace and his mercy and he finds us because we are his. Oh, hallelujah. Number four, if you fail or fall, Jesus rescues you and sets you on the right road to recovery. I'm so grateful that Jesus is a rescuer that our good shepherd rescues us and, and saves us when we mess up, when we are unfaithful, he is faithful. Matthew 12, 11 and 12, if any of you has a sheep that falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not rescue it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? See, Jesus recognized that, that even when it was on the Sabbath, oh, because this is when he healed, this man was on the Sabbath. Even when he, it's on the Sabbath, if he sees you hurting in a pit, if he sees that you have fallen, if you cry out to him, he will lift you up. He will lift you up. Going back to John chapter 10, number five, if you trust him to save you, Jesus will keep his promise to do just that. That's number five, the, hearing the voice of the shepherd. Going back here to John chapter 10, let's look at verses 7 to 10. Again, this is a different enclosure. People weren't understanding what Jesus was saying. They were questioning. So Jesus reiterates it once again. And in verses 7 to 10, he, he, he gives us a different type of enclosure. Now he's moved from the village. The, the shepherd has led his sheep out. And when he leads them out, he's leading them out into the countryside. And there in the countryside, there's a different type of enclosure that is there. It's not an enclosure where, where you have many different flocks and many different who, who are in there. It, this is the shepherd's enclosure, and it is out there. In fact, I was, I was reading the, the customs and manners of the Old Testament by a, uh, a book that was written by a guy by the name of George Adam Smith. And he, he stated this, he was talking about as he was writing a time when he, when he visited over in Israel, just outside of, uh, uh, of Bethlehem, over in the Middle East, and he was doing some research, and so he's with some shepherds, and they, they, they leave the village, and they go out in the countryside, and, and here they are out in the countryside, and they come to this enclosure, different from in the, in the village. He says that it has, it has lower walls to it that, that go all around, and, and the, the shepherd leads the sheep, and he, 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 he gets the sheep all in this enclosure where they're protected. And he says he gets to the place where he's looking at this enclosure and he realizes there's a difference, not just that the walls aren't as high, but he, he recognizes that in this enclosure there's something different. There's, there's not a real gate. There's not a, there's not a true door that's there at the, at the opening where, the, where all the sheep had come in. And so he asked one of the Middle Eastern shepherds, he says, okay, you got them all in here. How do you keep them in here? Where's the door? And he said that Middle Eastern shepherd said this, I'm the door. Does that sound familiar? I'm the door. Because here's how he explained it. He said that at night, when I get all my sheep in, I lay across. I'm the door. I'm the gate. Nothing else can get in and nothing can get out except over me. Except over me. So my sheep are in and they can't get out unless they go over me and nothing can come in. No predator can come in. No wolf can come in. No lion can come in unless they get through me. That's where the phrase over my dead body comes from. <laughs> right? Oh. Come on. I am the door. 
I am the one who protects you. I'm the one who guards you. I'm the one who leads you. I'm the one who is, who is, who is watching over you. I am your good shepherd, and I am the door. I'm the door. John 10, 8 and 9, all who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true shepherd did not listen to them. Yes, I'm the gate. I'm the door. I'm the gate. Those who come in through me, look at what it says, will be saved. They'll come and go freely and find what? Good pastures. Good pastures. Friends, there, how, there, how many doors were there to this enclosure? One. There was not many. There was one. Jesus said elsewhere, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There are not multiple ways to get to heaven, not multiple ways to get to God. There is only one, and his name is Jesus. There is only one way, there is only one truth, there is only one resurrection in the life. There is only one good shepherd, and there is only one gate, and his name is Jesus, the light of the world. Ooh, I'm preaching better than some of you are saying amen. Right? What, what is the key, though, to this good pastures? What's the key to, to this abundant love? What's the key to this safety and security? What's the, what's the key to this? Proximity. Proximity. Proximity to the shepherd. The key to a happy sheep is to get as close as you can to the shepherd. John 15, abide in me, right? And I will abide in you. What is abide? And you will bear much fruit. What is Abide. Abide is, yeah, to continue, to be constant, to be close, to be intimate, to live in communion with Him. There are times where we cannot recognize the shepherd's voice because we are not staying in close proximity to the shepherd. We're not close enough to the shepherd. When you stay close enough to the shepherd, guess what? Your security and your peace and your satisfaction go up, right? Verse 10, it's the famous verse, right? The thief comes what? What's the, what's the thief's purpose? To come is to, 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 to steal, kill, and destroy. But what does he say? This is, this is at the end of this, of the shepherd in the gate. What does it say? But I have come that you might have life, and life what? Abundantly. Abundantly. To the max, right? That you might have it to the max. Notice. Notice the thief, the shepherd, the door. What's the contrast? The contrast is in their purpose. I, I hear all the time, Oh, we love, what's God's purpose? What's God, 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 God's purpose for your life? God has a purpose for your life. And, and, and that is, he's got a good purpose and a good plan for your life. And, and, and he, not to harm you, but to prosper you, right? He's got good plans for your life. God's got good plans for your life. But we rarely talk about the enemy's plans. You know what the enemy's plans for your life are? To steal, to rob from you, to rob life from you, to rob peace from you, to rob hope from you. That, that's, the, that's the enemy's plan. To kill and destroy. The enemy wants to destroy your life. There is a thief who wants to destroy your life. Satan hates you, and he has a miserable plan for your life. So if you want to be a happy sheep, you've got you've to learn to say no to the voices that are trying to steal and kill and rob you of life and rob you from abundant life and steal and kill your life. There's a lot of voices out there today that tell you that to be happy, you need to do this, 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 and this. To be happy, you need this. To, do, to have peace in your life, you need this. If you just make enough money, if you're just successful and celebrity enough, if you just have the right relationship and you just, you just do that, you'll be happy. There 
a lot of voices that tell you how to be happy, and yet we live in a culture that seems to be the most abundant of any other culture in any other country around the world, and yet we have the most miserable, unhappy people. Why are suicide rates so high? Because we're following the wrong path. We're following the wrong voice. We're following the wrong shepherd. It's not a shepherd, it's a thief. We thought it was a shepherd, but it's been a thief who has come to steal and destroy and take away the sheep, take you away from God's abundant plan for your life. There's a choice. Satan wants to rip you off, but the shepherd wants you to have life to the full. Worship team, will you come? Jesus is the good shepherd of the sheep. We, like sheep, have all gone astray. We've been prone to wander. And friends, I want to reiterate it again. There are many voices calling to you. But are you hearing the voice of the good shepherd? Are you hearing the voice of Jesus? The one who who calls to you, who leads you, who isn't coming up from behind and, and trying to drive you. There's a lot of drives today. People driving. You gotta, you gotta do this. You gotta be driven. And you gotta, you gotta do this. And you gotta do that. And the pressure and the stress and everything is weighing down. Yet Jesus says that my burden is light. Come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you what? Rest. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Right? He makes me lie down in green pastures, makes me lie down, right? Leads me beside still waters, restores my soul. The shepherd wants to restore your soul. There are some of you that you are so stressed out. You have so much anxiety because you've been following the pattern and the voice of a thief who's come to rob, kill, and destroy But the good shepherd today, he's calling out. Will you follow me? Because I want to lead you to green pastures. And I want to lead you to quiet waters. I want to restore your soul. Some of you need to start listening to the voice of the shepherd. And you know it. Because as I've been preaching, the voice of the shepherd has been inviting you. And saying, will you follow me? Come on, will you follow me? Come on, I want to I wanna lead you. I want to rescue you. I want to save you. The voice of shame keeps saying, you can't follow Jesus. He doesn't love you. Look at what you've done. Look at all the things that you've done. Look at the way you've lived. The voice of guilt. Oh, all the things that you've done. The shepherd could never love you. You're, you're not the kind of sheep he wants. You're the black sheep, and he doesn't want that. He, he doesn't want you. That's a lie. That's a lie. He died for you over my dead body, and he's inviting you to experience his life. Don't listen to the lies of guilt. Don't listen to the lies of shame. Don't listen to the lies of fear. But if I follow Jesus, maybe I won't have fun anymore, or maybe it won't be enjoyable. Everybody else, all of my friends seem to be having fun, having fun all the way to hell. Because in the short term, it looks so great. But in the long term, it drains you of life. 
and brings hurt and brokenness and addiction. And some of you are bound because you've listened to the wrong voice. And the shepherd today is inviting you to experience the healing and the hope that he desires to bring. He's inviting you today. And he's leading you. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, two questions. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being extremely well, 1 being almost not at all. How well do you know the shepherd's voice? How well do you know the shepherd's voice? Some of you you might have given yourself a high rating. Why? How do you know? Have you been listening to the shepherd's voice? And secondly, what's one thing that is keeping you from listening to the shepherd's voice? What's one thing that's keeping you from hearing the shepherd's voice? Let's bow our heads. Jesus, 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 right now. If you're in this place and you say, you know what, pastor? Maybe you're watching online as well. You know what? I'm hearing the shepherd's voice, and maybe you've wandered like a sheep. You've been prone to wander, but you recognize the shepherd is inviting you back. He's inviting you to come back, and, and, and you'd say, you know what? I need, to, I need to begin to follow the shepherd again, or maybe you're never following the shepherd, and, and now you say, I need to follow Jesus. I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want to receive the salvation that Jesus offers, or you're coming back, and you say, I did, but I've wandered away, and, and I feel like he's leading me back. If that's you today, and you want to receive the forgiveness, and the hope, and the healing, and the, and, the, and the rescue, the salvation that he promises, will you slip up your hand this morning? I want to lead you in a saving place. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, let's just, let's, let's pray right now. Come on, if you raise your hand online, if you said, that's me online, will you just let us know in the comments? Come on, let's pray right now. And if you raise your hand, will you just begin to pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I thank you today that you love me and I hear your voice. And today, I want to follow you. Forgive me today of my sin. Forgive me of the ways that I've wandered away from you. Today, I give you my life and I choose to follow you and your voice. And I ask you right now, Jesus, to come into my life and to make me new. Forgive me of my sin, cleanse my shame and my guilt, and give me peace in my life. I follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate today? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information, about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.